the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you who, the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and our Ola. I am Spud, Spud Goodman. And that's important. I'm grateful that you have chosen to spend at least a, a few moments with us. I understand that a number of you uh, were like listening to the show that was on before us, and, and you were too lazy probably to change the channel. Thank God, you know, so far you've not followed through with your intention to maybe move on and do something more important in your life. We appreciate that. I say, you know, I say hang with us. I mean, what do you got to lose just for a while? Who knows? It could be a mutually beneficial outcome. Stranger things have happened. You know what I mean. All right, I need to introduce our show's designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Uh, give us a good belly laugh, if you will. Oh, okay. As I've said, it's a little early in the show for a full-on belly laugh, but Please. here goes. <laughs> Don't pull a muscle. That's good. Oh, well, I do think, though, I pretty much nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now I'm obligated to acknowledge our show's you know, temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb, uh, just verify that you're here in the studio. A cough or even a burp will suffice. It, oh, well, I mean, I don't have I don't have a cold, and you know, I was taught by my mother to never burp in public, or or at least really? at least try not to. Uh, I gotta admit, sometimes after I've had a really chilled Seven Up, I've been known to burp lightly, but only in private and never ever in mixed company. Hell no, you haven't. Um. What the hell's mixed company? Oh, males and females, for gosh sakes. You know, there are so many types of behavior that are not appropriate in mixed company. Uh, would you like me to list some of the main examples? Oh, Ger there Gerald, Gerald, uh, you don't need to worry about women being too fragile to deal with daily life experiences. I mean, you know, we all burp. Oh, well, you know, my wife, Rachel, has never burped in front of me since our wedding day. Oh, my. I mean, uh, once while we were dating and we had just finished our extra large root beer floats, I believe she did kind of sort of burp, but she coughed right afterwards, so I'm not 100% positive. Come on, y'all. <laughs> oh, it was big of you to get past that yeah. and still marry the woman. Yeah, well, she's a great mother to our children, and she's been a wonderful wife. So, yeah, I, I feel I made the right decision. Yeah, all right, good to know. Um, You know, th there's a topic that I thought I would bring up on the show. It's actually very fascinating the more i read about it the more curious i get and, and there happens to be someone in this studio uh, right now mm. who's kind of an expert on it oh uh, i know i should have run it by him before bringing it up on the air but yeah you know, if i did he he, he would have called in sick for sure oh uh, are you going to bring up Lori, our executive producer's love of butterflies 
I know you would think it's weird, but I've always enjoyed them. They're so beautiful. Well, I did not know about her love of butterflies. Is, is that a thing? Yes! Yeah, yeah. You, you know, as a kid, I used to catch them in a jar. Uh, of course, I'd let them go after I was able to examine them thoroughly. Uh, but I'll admit, most of them did die in the jars. But but I did. I attempted to let them go. Man, it, who, who knows the, like the damage you did to our ecosystem ooh, growing up? Ooh. I don't want to think about it. But, but what I wanted to discuss is this whole furry scene. I mean, that seems to be like pretty darn popular right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that would not be a okay. good idea, uh, Yeah, I was expecting you might have some concerns if I did this live on the radio, but God knows, you know, we need to deal with a few topics that are actually, I don't know, interesting? This furry scene blows my mind, you know, I, and it, it was featured on CNN and I, I think the BBC, and from what I saw a couple days ago on our Intern Chances Instagram account, I just had to bring this up. I'm a journalist, Aunt Dorothy. Journalist? Yes. Oh, come on. You are a talk show host who chats with celebrities and musicians. But I aspire to be a journalist, and, and that should count for something. I've always <laughs> wanted to break a big... No, seriously. I've always wanted to break a big scoop in a newspaper or magazine. But writing is, like, way tougher than just talking. It, it, it takes a lot more time and effort. Anyway, Chance, could could we get your reasoning on why you decided to be a furry? Don't go out there with that hat on. Uh, you know, that Instagram post of yours was about some event you went to last weekend, right? Spud, I'm a grown-ass man. If you're trying to shame me for being a member of the furry community, it won't work. I am proud to be active there and actually serve as a sergeant-at-arms of our local Seattle organization. I gotta admit the truth. It turned me on. So, you have failed in your attempt to out me. I have nothing to hide. Oh, honey, uh, it might not be a good idea to discuss this on the air. Maybe you could think this over and uh, maybe down the road talk about it with Spud. Okay, Aunt Dorothy, I get it. You know, you're protective of your boyfriend, but he, he just said he's not embarrassed about being a furry. So maybe we can figure out what this scene is all about. Oh I want to know... How much one of those furry costumes cost? They can't be cheap. And, and where the hell do they sell them? I have never seen one at the mall or, or on Amazon. Let, let's get back to this discussion a little later, but right now I need to introduce our musical guest. All right, say hello to Watch Rome Burn.
This is Bruce Dern, and I want to tell you how happy I'm, uh, I am to be on the Spud Goodman Show. Um, it, it, he is Seattle all the way through, and if he can tell me the other end opposite Steve Largent, I'll give him a dollar. Uh, Spud, yes. What your first guest, Gretchen Carlson, is waiting to speak with you. Now, you you know I love Gretchen, and I really miss her on Fox News. Uh, she was one of my favorites. Uh, Fox and Friends. It hasn't been the same since she left. Yeah, Fox and Friends starts right now. Yeah, those uh, like two Trump cabinet members, uh, Steve Ducey and Brian Kilmeade, uh, seem especially clueless now. But uh, okay, I'm aware of your fondness for Gretchen. The, the last time she was on, I had to restrain you from jumping in well, and messing up my interview. Shut up and dribble. Ah, oh, Gerald does love the women on Fox News, but Gretchen made history with her sexual harassment lawsuit against her former employers. She was a pioneer in the Me Too movement. Yeah, she was very brave, no yes. doubt, in what she did. Yeah, you know, I, I guess, I guess, but I just don't understand this whole fuss about misbehavior in the workplace by men. You know, I have never experienced it in my career, both here at this station and at my other position at South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. <laughs> Okay, number one, you're a dude and not exactly yeah. a prime target for a variety of reasons. Well. And number number two, that free plug for your other place of employment was just not cool. You know, but right now I, I need to put on my, like, uh, serious talk show host hat on. Uh, j just, just put Gretchen through. I'm ready. Yeah, Let's here do she this. Is. Here she is. Welcome back to the show, TV journalist and author Gretchen Carlson. Thanks for checking in with us again. Hey, thanks for having me, Spud. Absolutely. So uh, you have a new documentary airing on the Lifetime Channel, debuting on the 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern and Pacific and available also on demand. So the title is Gretchen Carlson Breaking the Silence. Before we get into the actual program, let, let's take a look back at the events in your own career and how they've impacted not just the cable news industry, but kind of the workplace overall in the country. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, so two and a half years ago, I filed my sexual harassment lawsuit against Roger Ailes, who was the chairman and CEO at Fox News. And had no idea what would happen after that, to be quite honest with you. I took a tremendous amount of courage. Yeah. And uh, really, you know, the floodgates, um, they opened. And I, I think one of the main things was that women and men across the country saw that there were consequences in my story, and they were swift. And so they figured, wow, well, maybe, I, maybe I'll come forward, you know. And, and before you know it, we were, we were talking about a Me Too movement and the Harvey Weinstein allegations, and more and more women uh, felt like they could could summon up the bravery to do the same thing. 
So here we are now with my first documentary coming out on Lifetime Monday night at 8 o'clock Eastern and Pacific, and it's, it's the every woman story. These are the stories that maybe haven't been showcased up until this point right. of the fast food worker and, you know, the firefighter and um, other journalists that you may not know as much about that we traveled all across the country doing the interviews throughout the summer and the fall, and I'm really proud of it because we demand answers from the companies that they work for. You know, why did they have to endure the, these allegations and nothing was done when they went to complain, which is unfortunately kind of the way it works. So we really want to try and change that with this documentary, and I think that the explosive allegations will have groundbreaking results as, as you know, by the time people end up watching this. Right. right. You know, uh, it, w- when you're on Fox, my, uh, you hosted uh, Fox and Friends. That's the favorite show of my my co-host. But yeah, I, I watch Fox News now that you know that you're gone. Uh, I, I watch maybe Shep Smith and the Outnumbered Show. But why do they have so many commercials for catheters and reverse mortgages? Because I f- I feel so old when I tune in. I have, I am old, but I have to flip to Nickelodeon just to get my psyche back. But anyway, that's another topic. Um, so. As you said in the documentary, oh, thanks for the laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in the, in your documentary, you do speak with women from all income brackets, not just like the cable news industry. And um, mo- I guess this issue, of course, is most prevalent in like the low-paying service industry. Is that is that an accurate statement? Well, it is because, quite honestly, they literally can't afford to come forward, right? Yes, yes. I mean, they don't have the resources to get high-level attorneys, and they they literally can't come forward because they they pretty much fear that they'll be fired if they do, unfortunately, and then they don't have a job. So, for example, the the fast food worker at McDonald's that we feature from New Orleans, she's supporting her grandmother, her sisters, and her entire family on 15 bucks an hour, and she's 20 years old. And, uh, you know, says to me that her allegations are not only was she harassed on the job, but she was actually allegedly assaulted in a bathroom by a male uh, employee and nothing was done. So, you know, what are you going to do when you're that person? And so that's the kind of story that I really wanted to to focus on. And and then after we tell their stories in the documentary, I go to get answers. Uh And I jump out of a lot of cars to try and track people down to say, look, how could this be happening, and why did you turn a blind eye? Right. Um, and, and, and so really the, the end result of this is to try and get change, right? I mean, that's what we're all working for here is how do we make the work environment safer for men and women across our country? And, and that's what the goal was with this documentary. Well, you know, in my lifetime, guys have pretty much had full control of most everything, give or take a few exceptions. And I can't really remember a time in history that any segment of society in the world willingly gave up power without, you know, without the courts. Because it, it wouldn't be a fair fight, right? Because things are, and you know, the game's kind of rigged is what I'm saying. So the, the courts are really, at this point, our only remedy other than maybe public shaming. Well, <laughs> sometimes that, sometimes the latter works. Um, Listen, that's why I introduced my bill on Capitol Hill, because, yes, legislation is one piece of the puzzle in trying to fix it. And my legislation was about trying to make employee contracts more fair for these kinds of issues so that they don't get shrouded in secrecy. A lot of companies have put these arbitration clauses in your contracts over the last 20 years that basically kind of never let these kind of complaints become public. Mm -hmm. And so the American public, actually, I think that's why they've been so shocked to hear some of these stories, because they weren't hearing them. But the reason they weren't hearing them was because they're all going to settlements or to these secret arbitration cases. And so that's been one of the main things that I've been working on to to have more women's voices uh, heard. But, you know, it's a confluence of things that we have to do to try and solve this problem. And it's not necessarily just taking power away from men. We want to work with men. 
but we need we need men to help us. Right. That's the key. We right. need you know if men witness this in the workplace, we need them to speak up as much as we're trying to speak up. And I know that's hard. It takes almost the same amount of courage. But unless we all decide we're going to try and work on this together, and I, I like to always say that I'm doing this for my kids, and I'm doing it for everyone else's kids, because that's the next generation. And, and when I speak to packed audiences, uh, I don't, you know, I never get a raise of hand when I say, hey, who out there wants this to happen to their kid? Nobody. Their daughter, yeah. So, you know, if we really want to change it for the next generation, then we've got to start doing the work now. Right. Uh, excuse me, Spud. Yeah. Well, I forgot to ask you before we started the show, and, and I wanted to ask you before I forget again. Would it be okay if I borrowed your vacuum cleaner? Because what? Ours, ours broke yesterday, and I dropped it off to get it fixed. But you know, new vacuums are really expensive. Have you priced one lately? Uh, uh Gretchen, can you give me a second? You're gonna ask me that right now? Oh well, yeah, very bad timing, Gerald. What are you thinking? Well. I suppose I should have waited until later, but lately I've been forgetful, and I wanted to make sure I brought it up before I was distracted, so I just need to borrow it for a day or so. Yeah, Listen, I'm in charge of vacuuming at our house, though I'm in hopes of soon assigning it to our youngest, Dwight, as this chore, uh, you know, he turns 11 soon, so right now he's a very poor vacuumer. Dude, I don't care about your kid's vacuuming skills. Zip it and let me finish this thing. Oh, I, I hope it's okay that I brought this up. You know, I, I really do like Gretchen. She's the best, but I can process more than one thing at a time. Whatever. Okay, uh, sorry about that, Gretchen, but I'm back. You know, my mom was a big backer of the ERA way back. I could never figure out why it never passed. Since women make up like 50.8% of this country and men come in at like 49.2%, you would think the majority would rule, but guess not, huh? Well, uh, yeah, I think politics gets involved in that a lot. Uh, but also, I, it's my understanding that that's coming back for, they only need one more state. Yeah. I think it's Virginia, actually. Huh. Um, and so, you know, we may actually finally pass, uh, pass that. You know, politics tends to muddy up a bunch of stuff. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but, um, you know, and that's what, that's what was so great about my bill was that it was actually bipartisan. Right. So imagine that. Yeah, I guess that darn, we live in a darn like a republic instead of like a pure democracy. That kind of, that's kind of hampered it. But anyway, all right, well, let me end with this question, all right? Um, Gretchen Carlson, if you were the head of the world, not not a ceremonial post like the queen, more like the CEO of the planet, what would be your first order? Uh, that, that Congress gets stuff done and stops bickering and fighting and becoming so polarized and that we somehow try to do that ugly C word of compromise because I think we've become so divisive, especially over the last couple of years, and it makes, when you're that divisive and you get no work done, you are totally unproductive, and that's a disservice to American citizens. Ooh, well said. All right, I'll, I'll second that. All right, then, uh, let me remind everyone that your new documentary, Gretchen Carlson, Ending the Silence, will air on the 14th on the Lifetime Channel at 8 Eastern and Pacific and will be available on demand. Hey, thanks a whole bunch for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me, Step Us, bud. Have a great day. All right, you too. Ms. Gretchen Carlson. Spud's not going anywhere, and neither should you. The Spud Goodman Radio Show returns in just a moment. We're the Black Tones. We are the Black Tones. I'm Eva. And I'm Cedric. Cedric, who's playing bass? His name is Robbie. Robbie. Robbie's playing bass. This is a Spud Goodman show. Spud Goodman, I'm deleting you off my Facebook. 
I'm sorry. Oh, oh. You share the same Facebook. I guess that means I'm deleting Spud, too. <laughs> it is what it is, man. Yeah. The Spud Goodman Show. Spud. Spud. Goodman. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hey, Spud. Yes. Well, the show's resident psychic, Ted Marr, is holding for you. Okay, we'll do his damn plug. Oh, okay. Uh, Ted Marr can be heard each Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. on KKNW, 1150 a.m. in Seattle and on the web. Here he is. Welcome, our resident psychic of the Spud Goodman Show, Mr. Tad Marr. Thanks for calling in, man. Hey, Spud, it's wonderful to talk to you again. Yeah, well, as you know, Ted, I am a single man looking to meet the right woman, or, you know, or, or maybe I should rephrase that, I don't know. Right now, I'll settle for maybe even a slightly wrong woman. I, I have to be realistic here, but, you know, I was just wondering if you have access to a psychic dating app. You know, you know, something that only professionals like you could utilize if need be because those regular ones like ChristianMingle.com or FarmersOnly.com are tough for agnostic non-farmers like me to find someone to go out with. Well, I have an even better one for you, and oh. I'll, I'll tell you how to do it. Okay. It's a secret love, a love potion. It does work. Um, you, you take a, um, a regular 8.5 by 11 piece of paper, and you fold it so it's like a rectangular pocket. Okay, first thing. Yes. Then you take six red rose petals and you put them inside the pocket. You fold over a side of the pocket so they don't fall out. But you put the six red rose petals inside the pocket. I'm writing this down. Okay. Okay. Got it. Then um, you you light a red candle. Got it. Then you piece, take a piece of hard red candy and put it on top of your tongue and let it melt for 20 minutes. That's a long time, but I think I have a hard time okay. sitting still. But, Believe me. Okay. Can you walk works. around with it in your mouth? It, yes. yes. Okay, yes. all right, super. Yes. I have the ADD, yeah. ADHD thing, but anyway, yeah. all right. Yeah. Well, okay, is that it? Okay. So and, is, is and no, 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 there's more. Okay. And that that sweetness Sheesh. that you'll be, you'll be getting in your mouth is actually from the sweet love you'll be getting from your new partner, new sweetheart. Wow. And then you ask God and the love angels to bring your sweetheart to you. I'm like, I don't want her kidnapped or anything. You know, I, hopefully it's no, on her own no, volition. No, no, no. Like, it's, it's, it's a very subtle way. Um, nicer if she and, wants to come. Um, yeah, yeah, but you just ask God and the angels to bring your sweetheart to you, and you can specify characteristics if you want, like a tall lady, a short lady, you know, whatever you want. Blonde hair. Hey, brunette, I'm not picky at this whatever. point, Ted. I'll be honest with you. Okay, well, all right. Let well, me turn this around to you. i got to ask okay. you. Do you have an unfair advantage on the dating playing field? It just seems like you're kind of cocky. seems like you have this whole dating thing wired. If I don't know. I'm having a hard time competing right now, and I'm not a sore loser, but it sure seems like this dating thing is rigged. How many millions of psychics are there right now that I have to maybe go up against? Maybe that's my problem. There's just tons of psychics out there. You, I don't know. Well, well, what it what it is that has worked for everyone who's tried it, and what you do, you keep that energy, that envelope with the uh, rose petals, on you. You put it if you're a woman, you put it in your purse. If a man, you put it in your pocket next to your heart, a shirt pocket, and you keep it with you 24/7. For every all my all my friends and clients who tried it, the least amount of time it has worked is seven days. The most is is, is a month, and it could be you could be, for example, um, at a restaurant 
and the waitress could come by and boom, that's your sweetheart. Or you might be uh, um, uh, pumping gas or meet somebody on the street or at a lecture or at work. It could be anything, but just remain positive and optimistic. And everybody who I've told this about, it, it's worked. Well, so, you must um, have a massive black book. I mean, you must date, I don't know, five or six nights a week. Um, I, I don't have any problem going head-to-head against other non-psychics. Spud, I, I mean, how many times have I said to you, you are looking for love in all the wrong places? I've invited you many times to our church's singles night that we hold the first Thursday of each month. It would be a far more effective way for you to meet your life partner than some hocus-pocus love potion. Uh, no offense to Ted. Uh, Ted, j- just a moment. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for someone to go out with, like on a date, not a lifetime partner. That's a long time. What if we don't get along? You know, like after a couple dates, we hate each other's guts. We're going to spend a lifetime together feeling that way? I don't want to read her posts on Facebook complaining about me to the day I die. Well, a stable relationship is something you clearly need to get your life on track. You know, with the right woman, I could see you overcoming many issues that have caused you so much grief over the years. As I said, I'm looking for someone to have fun with, not be my therapist. So let me finish this up with Ted. I have returned. (laughs) Thank you. Well, let me ask you this. Would it be cool if you screened a few of the women that I'm interested in contacting? I I don't want to waste a a ton of time on someone who won't, you know, openly admit in their profile that they actually do want someone who is attractive and successful. Because what I'm finding out in the first 10 minutes of our dates mostly is uh, I'm not exactly their cup of tea. They should be honest that, 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 you know, that they're not interested in a guy who's not that attractive and not that successful. But they're never that honest until you actually go out on a date. (laughs) And I bought dinner, by the way. But anyway, all right. Uh, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm getting on your nerves here. I'll be happy here. to help you. I'll all be right. happy to screen anybody. No well, problem. I can read their mind and let you know what they're thinking. Super. I'll be, I'm going to let you go, but there's one thing I wanted to say. Because I've had a number of nightmares about, you know, someone I'm dating killing me in my sleep. Usually, you know, by putting a pillow over my head. So can you maybe pick those out before I ever go out on a date? I'd like to run those I'd, by you. I'd be happy to. Very happy to. All so, right. Yeah, you could save absolutely. my life. Super. All right. There you have it. Our resident psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. Spud goodness to Anulo. Spud goodness to Anulo. Here now your host, Spud Goodman. Uh, so Aunt Dorothy, getting back to what we were talking about earlier, about your boyfriend Chance's fondness for all things furry. What kind of animal costume does he have? You know, for your sake, I hope it's low profile if you go out with him, you know, when he's in it in public. I mean, who needs the abuse, right? And as far as your love life goes... Oh, brother. You don't have to get too intimate here. I mean, I mean, if no. you want to, it'd be great. As I was wondering, does it impact, like, you know, the daily hygiene routine for you both? Like to shave or not shave? Well, what is the question? Uh, I mean, I know how much of a private person you are, so you don't have to go there. But people listening, they want to know, like, how does your boyfriend's love of, you know, furry things impact your sex life? As Chance said, he or we are not embarrassed to admit we are active in the furry community. I've never mentioned it to you as, well, I just didn't think you'd be interested. 
Well, you know, if, if I didn't host a radio talk show, I, I probably wouldn't. But, um, but there are only so many, you know, times I can fill up airtime with discussions about normal, boring stuff. Oh, boy. Okay. Now, okay. Let me get this straight. People, a- a- adults, dress up in furry costumes and, and do, do what? I- I'm not getting this. Hey, bud, what's your problem? I guess they just like walk around and play. I mean, I don't. What else can you do in a big hot furry costume? I mean, you can't like play tennis or touch footballs. It it gets so hot you you'd pass out after a couple hours or 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 so I'm guessing. Um, uh, Aunt Dorothy, uh, yes, you have a costume too, right? Yes, yes, I do. Oh. And there are many many activities that are conducted at furry lifestyler gatherings, and the costumes do not adversely impact anyone health wise. You just get used to the heat. Hey, uh, someone get Chance a microphone. I see him hiding over there, pretending he's working. Yeah, Chance, um, I have a couple more questions for Uh, you. Hey, I will not let you mock my sweetie. I'm not going to mock him. Chance, Chance, you don't have to get into this with Spud. I tell you, I'm not going to. It's okay, Dorothy. Okay. I'm almost done with the tasks I was assigned to do as an unpaid intern. What do you want to know, Spud? Well... Okay, um, when you Google this uh, community, as you call it, there's quite a bit of stuff about, like, the sex angle. I'm not judging here as, as if, you know, it puts a little spark in anyone's sex life. I'm all for it. I'm pretty sure my own sex life could, could like, use a makeover. Do you people have ground rules when you get together? I mean, it's not everyone, like, in heat walking around, right? That's so hot. Oh, okay. now I think I'm getting this. It's just a furry version of one of those... Playboy Mansion private parties I've read about in Reader's Digest. Uh, you know, they're held at that Howard Hefner's home. I-, I can only guess how disgusting the carnal displays of debauchery are with a full furry costume on. Sock it to me. Uh, oh, for the record, you, Hefner, is dead. Uh, and, oh. and, and you, the guy who has a massive collection of My Little Pony figurines stashed away in your mini storage unit, is passing judgment here? <laughs> Whoa, oh, come on. <laughs> you realize there's no nudity at these things, right? I mean, it would take too long to take the thing off and put it back on. Like, way too much work. So I'm, I'm guessing things, you know, are, are pretty tame. Oh, well, then you're guessing wrong. And that is all I will say on that. Spud, hmm, really? your aunt and I recognize human sexuality is a major component of life. We celebrate our physical connection, but to insinuate that furries are sex-crazed is so off the mark. We're just following our bliss. Uh, all right, what is this bliss Chance is talking about here? Uh, well, I, I think it's what you experience when you break out all those My Little Ponies for a day of amusement. <laughs> oh, but there, there is no, and I want to be clear about this, Spud. There is no sexual aspect to the My Little Pony fan groups. Okay, you know, if if you say so. Gerald, don't allow others to make you feel weird or strange for the activities that give you joy. Life is short. You had me at hello. Oh, does my honey bun have depth or what? He is very deep, Spud. There's much more to chance than you or others would pick up. He is so evolved, others just aren't able to fully appreciate him. Thank you, Dorothy. I think a lot of you, too. Oh, sweetie. <sighs> I think I just vomited in my mouth just a little bit. But so anyway, why don't we move on to our musical guest interview? Good call, yo. You know, we can finish up this conversation in a bit. Okay. 
So it's musical guest, it's musical guest interview time. That's one of my favorite parts of the program. Yeah. Say hello to Watch Rome Burn. Uh, please identify yourselves, your instrument of choice, and your favorite condiment. Because condiments are like the tastiest part of eating. Uh, Drew Cummings, Watch Rome Burn, human, uh, Trojan. Or wait, condiment, uh, ketchup. Okay. Justin Cummings, I hit things with sticks and A1. It's got to be the best one, right? Uh, that's a good call. All man. right, that's for the record. Um, so has, you know, you guys are brothers, uh, right? Hopefully. That's what they tell us. <laughs> yeah. So do you often find yourselves in Liam and uh, Noel Gallagher Oasis moments? Like, how many times have you broke up the band and how many total fist fights so far? I wouldn't call them fights. It's more just like a hellacious slaughter, right, Drew? Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think that's I, fair. I beat the out of this guy every chance I get. All the time. Hmm. Well, on that note, in your press kit, you state you guys are like into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Now, does that mean you often like take innocent fans at your shows to the ground and make them tap out? We're not Maynard. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. Yeah, that's that's all part of the act, right? That's what they pay us for. Hmm, that's interesting. You know, I've heard that that style of MMA can like really mess up your ears. They can look like flat tires, and you know, after a while, after a while, at least, I I like my ears fully inflated. So I mean, how, how, I, I can't see your ears because you guys got headphones on. But what's the state of your ears? They are nubs at this point. I think. Yeah, I should have worn earplugs, but you know, that's what happens. Rock and roll. So you guys do spend a lot of time on the ground then, huh? Uh, this guy does more than I do. I'm okay. up here. All right, super. Okay, well, getting back to the band itself, uh, besides total world domination, is there a small but like meaningful goal that the band hopes to achieve in 2019? Um, I think uh, we really want to get a couple new tracks out there and really up our ante with recording quality. That's been a big mission of ours um, to start just putting out, you know, better quality records, better quality songs. So working on the gear, working on the sound, that's, uh, that's the mission. All right, super. Well, as you know, we're discussing the social phenomenon of the furry scene. Off the record, are either of you two into this? Um, do you guys like maybe have your own furry costume in your closet? So if so, you guys can jump in and, you know, in the conversation. I live on a rabbit farm, so I'll just throw that out there. You can do what you want with that. I've got a beard. Okay. And two dogs. It's kind of halfway there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not quite what I was going for, but all right, super. Um, so, what's the name of the next song, and what's it about? Uh, the next song is "Crystallized," and um, it's a song uh, I wrote about kind of uh, relationships. You know, people coming and going in and out of your life, and uh, people changing. All right, super. Let's do it. Can be alive. 
Goodman Radio Show. Hey, what's up? This is Marlon Lance. Uh, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing on the Spud Goodman Show, but um, obviously somebody hypnotized me, so I guess well, listen in. Uh, Spud, yeah, your next guest, John Melendez, is holding for you. Isn't he known as Stuttering John from the Howard Stern Show? Uh, yeah, he used to be on Howard's show for like you know years. Um, before though, he got he got swiped by Jay Leno, okay, to be his announcer on Tonight Show, uh, and Howard was a little pissed about it back then, and still is to this day, I guess. Well, I've listened to Howard over the years. Um, he was pretty disgusting way back when. But now I think his wife has knocked some sense into him, and he's not so darn obnoxious. Lock her up. That's right. Get that's right. Uh, you know, I've never listened to Howard Stern. Is he one of those? He's like the shock jock, right? Now, can can I ask you what what is a shock jock? Uh, just keep listening to Ryan Seacrest, uh, and you'll be fine. Truth isn't truth. Oh, Ryan is a radio legend. Very professional, Spud. I really, I feel you don't appreciate his talents. Hashtag mistake. 
Uh, hashtag corporate shill. Now, uh, now put John through, please. Yeah, very well. Here he is. Say hello to radio personality, actor, former announcer on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and now author, Mr. John Melendez, a.k.a. Stuttering John. Thanks for checking in with us. Hey, thanks, bud. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so you wrote a memoir. That's kind of fancy. That's a, yeah. It's titled Easy for You to Say. How many man hours went into this thing? Any pictures, or is it mostly words? No, it's words. It's it's a lot of words, (laughs) you know? I think it took me, I don't know, it, I mean, it took me probably at least a year to, you know, to do the whole thing. It's, you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm also a stand-up, so I'll be on the road a lot. So I would go back, and then I would just keep on writing and writing, and I think people would really be entertained by the book. All right, super. Well, looking back at your career, of course, we have to start with the Howard Stern Show, you know. Um, you began as an intern. Now, our show's intern, Chance, wanted me to ask you if you, too, were exploited and used by an egomaniacal radio personality. I, I don't really get the question, but uh, you started as an intern, right? <laughs> yes, Chance. Yes, I was. <laughs> Yeah, okay, all right. How, how were the early days on Howard's show? Did, did you at least get a free bagel from time to time? Uh, in the early days, like every once in a while, I think twice in my first two years, and, and keep in mind I wasn't getting paid, but Howard did give me a check for $1,000, um, I think twice in the, in the early days. But that's, you know, I mean, but look, he... Howard wasn't a bad guy. He, like, he was, like, good guy one day and then a bad guy on the air to the next. It was one of those things which I experienced from my father. So it was just like I was reliving my childhood because my father was a great guy and a funny guy on one day, and the next day he was beating the crap out of us. And it was the similar kind of experience I had with Howard. It was a, he was a great guy one day, and then the next day he's calling you a loser or no talent and that you do nothing good but stutter. So... I, you know, I experienced like the, you know, the, the good and the bad. Uh, all right. Um, well, you were assigned to interview celebrities at events, and, and some were not exactly thrilled by your questions. I, I can relate to that somewhat. Um, some celebrities have found me annoying, but I've never been punched by anyone like you. You've, you've actually been like, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, assaulted. <laughs> well, you know, I got, I got, um, I got strangled by Lou Reed. I got punched by Raquel Welsh. Uh, I got punched by Sharon Stone's bodyguards. I mean, yeah, I've been, I, I have been, uh, you know, I've taken a lot of, uh, a lot of punches for, you know, Howard in the show. But, uh, you know, I don't have any regrets. I mean, it's, you know, I can take a punch. I had a boxing match with a crazy cabbie that I won. So I could certainly, uh, I could certainly take a punch. I guess I learned that from my dad. Yeah, all right. That, that's a nice talent to have in life. Well, in 2004, <laughs> you left Howard's show to become the announcer on Jay Leno's Tonight Show. Uh, that did not go over well with Howard. Uh, he, to this day, continues to have issues with Jay, uh, as do a few others in showbiz. How, how did it feel like to be at, like, I mean, you were basically like a kid in a custody battle? Yeah, it's funny that you say that, because Artie Lang, I remember the Daily News on the New York Post had a, like, it was like on the back cover of the, you know, of their paper, and they had a big picture of Jay, a big, a big picture of Howard, and then me, a picture of me right in the middle, and they were saying how they were battling, and then, and then Artie Lang said to me, he goes, John, how could, you know, John, how could you be upset? You have two icons who are fighting over you, and I never thought of it that way, but it is kind of, it went, you know, it is kind of a cool thing to have, you know, 
two of these great big personalities, uh, you know, you know, all, you know, all, you know, wanting to have me on their show. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of strange. Well, you know, when when Jay bumped Conan O'Brien out of his slot on NBC and when he went back to work uh, on the new version of the Tonight Show, did you ever feel any guilt or shame of over how that all went down? Because it's it's one of the slimier deals see, in late night problem, history. But, and it's this is the misconception. And I do point it out in my book, and this is why I think it, the book would be entertaining to anybody, to any fan of the Stern Show and the Tonight Show. The misconception is that Jay bumped Conan. The real truth of the matter is, is that Conan, when Conan was doing the show after Jay, said to NBC executives, if you don't oust Jay, if you don't get rid of Jay, I am leaving. Conan was the one who forced Jay out. And Jay was forced to say that he was going to retire. And then NBC, in their ultimate stupidity, in the last six months of, of Jay's tenure, they realized he was still getting huge numbers in number one. And they started to get, um, you know, seller's remorse. So then they said, oh, Jay, you know, can you do a 10 o'clock show? Jay was like, no, I, you know, it'll fail. And they said, no, please. And then Jay did the 10 o'clock sh- show. Conan bombed on late night they were gonna they tried to move conan to 12 but still have him keep the tonight show but conan's ego got the better of him and he said you know he said no and then they and they offered jay his job back now you now if you were you know spot if you would some guy pushed you out and then and then the company got you know cold feet and said you know what we you know we made a mistake Please come back. And you weren't done yet, and you enjoyed doing your show. Can anybody blame you for taking your job back? Yeah, okay. You know, I know there was a lot of long-term like promises made to Conan in regards to, you know, when it, when are you going to, you know, when when is NBC finally going to move Jay or somebody out of the spot? So Because it was promised to him for a long time. You know that, obviously. And... I don't know. I don't know. All I was trying to say is with with Jay, um, yeah, I mean, he he is a legendary performer. There's no doubt about it. But uh, the, the kind of bad blood thing is is not just limited to Conan. I mean, it's it, I mean, there have been other issues with other other performers. So I just you know, I just wanted to get your right, take. Give me an example. I'm just curious. Well, I'm George Lopez, but I'm just George Lopez had some issues. Yeah, you want and, me to? Yeah. And what's the problem with George Lopez? George Lopez was mad. Because because he, he was mad Jay didn't put him on as a guest enough times. Well, now I, as an insider, know Jay has no control over you know of how many times a guest is on or not. I mean he could he could he could say I'd like to have this guy on, but never you know would that go past the executive producer like Jay just calling in the shots and saying I want George Lopez on ten times a year. It's not going to happen. All so right. George Lopez was completely wrong in, in that as well. But then again, you know, this is the problem people have with Jay Leno. They don't really know the truth. And and that's the problem. Like, conceptions All about right. Jay All are right. just that. They're misconceptions. Jay is couldn't be a, a nicer person to more to every, to every, to everybody. And and yet he gets this bad rap, which I think is I know is just I know. unfounded. I know. I, I didn't even want to go down the Letterman Road too, but I'll I'll, I'll just move on. Spud. 
Yes. Well, you know, I know that you are a big fan of David Letterman. Yeah, I am. I, I think you just made a wise choice in not going down there and rehashing the supposed bad blood between Jay Leno and Dave. You know, it's best left buried away in talk show industry gossip graveyards. Um, hey, John, I need a second here. All right. I only dropped it because we're running over in the interview, and I have to ask him my last question now. Well, I'm a huge Conan fan, and I'll always believe he got screwed over by Jay. Right? John seems like a nice guy, but he might be a little biased. If I had another 10 minutes, I would go over what went down at NBC in the early 90s. David Letterman got hosed by Jay. That's a fact. Well, transitions from one talk show host to the next can get a bit messy. I know. I'll have to stay strong when I eventually move on to host my own show. I'm sure the hmm. prior host will not be happy when I assume his role. Uh, the only show you'll be hosting is in your dreams? Well... Name one co-host who went on to have his own show. Uh, uh, the answer is no one? Now, let me get back to John and wrap this thing up. All right, I've returned. Let, let me close with this question. In, in April of 2018, you successfully pulled off pretty much a state-of-the-art prank calling into Air Force One, speaking to President Trump, pretending to be Bob Menendez. No, you, you realize he's the only president in history that you could have done this to, though, right? I mean, it was, like, too easy. <laughs> well, him, him or GW, I think. Well, <laughs> all right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, and, you know, it, it, it's even worse than that. You know, I didn't get through to Air Force One. They called me. Oh, that's right. Jared that's right. Kushner, yeah. Jared Kushner and Donald Trump called me from Air Force One. But I do agree with you. This is the only administration that something like this could, you know, you know, could happen. I think it's just it, it's indicative of how disorganized uh, this administration is. Uh, disorganized is, is a very kind way to put it. But all right. Well, I know you got to got to scoot. So let me remind everyone: your book, Easy for You to Say, is now on sale at bookstores nationwide and online. Hey, thanks a whole bunch for coming on our show. Hey, thanks, bud. I appreciate you having me on. My, how time flies. Okay, before we close the show, I, I'm feeling the need here to come clean uh, with my own, like, fondness, okay, I'll, I'll call it that, for occasionally dressing up in a costume myself. Uh, not the furry scene, but, you know, I've always had a thing for sports team mascots, okay? I mean, it, it goes way back to when I was a little kid. I, I, I can't explain it, but I've always, you know, it's always been like a dream job for me. Uh, and it, yeah, everyone knows I, I'm not very coordinated and, I, and I'm a terrible dancer, so there was, there was no path forward for this career choice. But my friend, who, who will remain nameless, uh, way back, you know, he was the Seattle Mariners' first moose years ago. He used to come on our old, you know, TV show, in, you know, in character. He understood my interest in his job, and he gave me his old moose costume when the team bought a newer model. Excellent. You know, they were just going to donate it to Goodwill. Uh, I know none of those close to me are aware of this, but, you know, it's time to open up and be honest about the, that, you know, this part of my personal life. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I don't go to any sports team mascot orgies. They don't have them, or, or at least I haven't been, you know, invited to one. Spud, I would never have guessed that you have a interest in team mascot uniforms. You've never mentioned it to me. Well, I know, but, well, you know. And me either. You would think, as your only living aunt, you would have informed me about this. I'm not weirded out or anything, and, and actually, I think that kind of humanizes you. Yes! Can I jump in here? 
Bud, dressing up in a sports team's mascot costume is a bold move. I'm very surprised. Good for you. Well, it's, it's not like I walk around all day in my apartment dressed up as a moose. I, I only pull it out maybe once a month or so. I mean, mostly when I get a little bummed out. It, it, it seems to work a lot better for me than Lexapro. I totally get it. I'm not prone to depression or mental health issues myself, but I will say I am the most happy. I am the happiest when I'm in my fur suit. It almost causes a chemical release in the brain. Really? And okay. he is not exaggerating. When we both are in our furry costumes, either at group gatherings or at my home, it just seems to bring us much closer together. So, so what are you guys? Coyotes? Anteaters? Or maybe a horse? Hello. I'm Mr. Red. No, I'm an elk and Dorothy is an antelope. My costume is nothing to brag about, of course. It's pretty basic antelope. The horns are very understated. This whole conversation's pretty shocking to me. I, re- I don't know what to say. It almost sounds, um, I don't know, satanic to dress up as animals. Um, um, you suck! Well, in my case, how could a moose be satanic? Well, I mean, maybe you know, like an antelope or an elk, I could see them being accepted into like a, a coven, maybe doing a fake sacrifice, you know, as no sane furry person would let someone do a real sacrifice on them. I would say both the elk and antelope are nature's greatest creatures. They're so sleek and beautiful. So, Gerald, there's no need to be afraid of us. Well, I'm not trying to be an alarmist here, but my gosh, all of you dress up as animals? How about our engineer Trevor or our audio director Dave? Are they in this four-legged secret society too? There are all kinds of perversions. I have no clue. You can ask them after the show. So, Chance, do you use baby powder before you put on the costume? You know, I, I don't know. When I try to move around and stuff, chafing is an issue, especially in the summer months. Actually, I rub Vaseline all over me before I suit up. It totally takes care of that problem. Well, I opt for Gold Bond powder myself. It's much, much easier for the dry cleaner. Yeah, the dry cleaning bills are kind of pricey. After a weekend of being in costume, things start to reek a bit, so it does need cleaning regularly. I should think about moving away from petroleum jelly to powder. These guys, they make millions of dollars. They're smart as hell. Finally, thank you for being flexible, honey. It's not like I mind paying extra for dry cleaning for your costume, but it does add up. So if I know I'm going to stay in my moose costume for more than a couple hours at a time, I go with aloe vera lotion. Uh, It keeps me cool and it's not that messy. Oh, anyway, so Chance, can I ask if you've told your parents about this furry deal? I am planning on telling them. I just haven't found the right moment to bring it up. My dad is not really open to alternative lifestyles, and he's a big hunter. Yeah? He has a lot of shotguns and automatic weapons around. Uh-huh. I just not feel comfortable walking around our house in costume. Charlie, don't surf! Well, does he drink a lot? If so, I don't blame you, but if, uh, but if he's a stoner, then you'd probably be safe. I mean, seriously, how many acts of random violence have been perpetrated by potheads? That would be none. I know that, dude. He makes his own beer in our basement, but he doesn't have a drinking problem. The thing is, he's hunted elk for many years and has never bagged one. 
I would prefer not to be his first. Know what I mean? Okay, that I get, yeah. All right, how, I, I how am I going to explain this to my wife? That all of my coworkers dress oh, up like Gerald, amusement... just say we're animal enthusiasts. Well, make sure you tell her I'm not a furry freak, okay? There's nothing strange at all about being a sports team mascot. Well, it's actually a, it's a real job. People get paid to dress up in some pretty goofy costumes. So being a moose is a very mainstream, actually a conservative choice. I don't think so. Moose... Elk or antelope? What the hell difference is there? Yeah, he, he's got a point there. Hey, but. Right. it's subtle, but there is a difference. Okay? Now, just let me close the show. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Once again, here is Watch Rome Burn. Spud Goodman Productions.